that will be a day. It just impresses me more and more as each day go by, goes by, that one day I'm going to see the one I preach. I stand here week after week. I'm going to see the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was despised and rejected of men. I'm going to see him face to face, talk to him, walk with him, and live with him forever and ever. That's real. That's very real to me. It's very real to me. John chapter 11. <clears throat> I titled this, this message, A Loved One is Sick. A Loved One is Sick. Just saying that makes my emotions swell up in me. When you hear of a loved one being sick, it just it just makes your emotions just swell. You don't that's something you don't really want to hear. That a loved one is sick. And then to hear that a loved one has died. And Martha and Mary had to go through this. But everything our Lord did and does and will do tomorrow is for our good and his glory. Do you believe that? It's so. It's so. You know, you and I have a real blessing in that we get to see the beginning and the end of a, a matter when we read the word of God. This is given to us for our learning. We get to see how God moves and works among his children. Job is a good example of that. We see what Job went through. God has let us take a peek behind the scenes and see what went on concerning Job. And we got to see the end of Job's faith and how that the Lord blessed him with double of all that he had. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to what we are going to be blessed with when we stand in his presence. It's not even a comparison. People think of what Job got double. You know, there's some people that that's, that uh, that would, wouldn't mind going through some tough things if they get double back. <laughs> there's some people like that. But our double is in heaven. Our real treasure is in heaven. And we are going to receive far more in glory than we can even imagine here. Can't even imagine it. Our Lord is the perfect example. You see, he was born into this world. He came from glory. And he came into this cesspool of sin. We see the trouble he faced. The disciples said, you're going to go back to Jerusalem? They want to kill you. They was after his life on every turn. We see how he suffered and died, but we also see 
that he rose again, that he ascended on high. He is seated at God's right hand, making intercession for us and ruling heaven and earth. You see, we get to see the end from the, and, and the beginning and the end. We get to see both. We, that's an advantage. Job didn't have the word of God like we have it. The disciples didn't have it like we have it. We have it. It's a real advantage to us. Now we have in this chapter the story of our Lord Jesus Christ and one whom he loved was sick. And then he, as the Lord said, fell asleep. He died. And, it, and we see how he let Martha and Mary go through this painful experience of losing their brother. And he did all this, now listen, he did all this on purpose. All of it on purpose. Because it's going to be for their good, his disciples' good, and God's glory. Especially this particular incident of raising Lazarus from the dead, God's going to be glorified in his son. Now it says, and I'm only going to deal with parts of this, uh, this chapter this morning. I got to looking at it, and I have, a, I have an outline written on the whole chapter, but that's just it's too rich. It's too much here. Too much. A certain man, not just any man, a certain man. You know, God's children are certain children. I have certain two sons. God's children are certain children. And their troubles are certain troubles. A certain man named Lazarus was sick. God's children get sick. God's children suffer. God's children, uh, they can contract diseases just like everybody else on this earth. We have trouble like everyone else has on this earth. We have it. And they die physically, not spiritually, not spiritually. He said, he that believes in me shall never die. But they die physically. And we have here his two sisters. A certain man named Lazarus was sick, and Martha and Mary, there in verse 2 and 3, they sent a message to our Lord that he whom thou lovest is sick. They knew the Lord loved them. They knew that. There was no doubt that the Lord loved them. He made his love known to them. But they sent a messenger to tell the Lord that he's sick. Don't we do that when we pray? What they, what they did in sending a messenger to tell the Lord he's sick, that's, a, that's no different than when we, when we bow before the Lord and we pray for a loved one that's sick. We pray for Doug. That's, that's what they're doing. They're praying. This is a prayer. And they put legs on it and sent, him to, and sent this one to the Lord. Tell him, he whom thou lovest is sick. But the, you know, the Lord already knew that. You know, in prayer, we are never informing God of anything. We are recognizing our dependence on God and our need of him. That's what we're recognizing. And we bring our loved ones before the Lord, who is the great physician. 
You know all healings of God? All healings of God. He may use medicine. He may just speak a word. It's his medicine. It's his. All medicine is made from this earth, isn't it? It's his. And he can give the power of it to heal or not. But our Lord knew he was sick. Being God, he knew all things. He knew it because this is of him. This is of him. He's got this under control. He's orchestrating this whole thing. And when Christ heard that Lazarus was sick, in verse 4 and 5, he replied that this sickness was not unto death, but for the glory of God. You know that the one they sent and told him this. And he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. You know that encouraged him. And he, was, he had a snap in his step when he went back home. The Lord said, he tell, tells Mary, Mary and, and Martha, the Lord said this sickness is not unto death. And no doubt that really encouraged them. And it gave him hope. David said this, I hope in thy word. And the Lord gave his word. This sickness is not unto death, unto death. But when Lazarus died, they forgot his word, didn't they? They were in great sorrow. They forgot what he said. The Lord said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. This is how we ought to see our sickness if, whenever we are sick or whatever it is we have. I'm telling you the truth. This is how we ought to see it. Anything comes our way to the believer. It's not unto death. It's for God's glory. It's for God. Whatever I have and whatever comes my way, it's for God's glory. God looks over his children. They don't have anything that's not in his hands or not given by him for their good. It, don't, it doesn't matter. It may take us a while to see that now. It may take us a while to see it. But it's for his, our good and his glory. And, and in verse 5 here, it's interesting. You see, John's telling this story. He's right there with the disciples when this is going on. But now he steps back and he's going to tell this story. And he says that, uh, you know, Lazarus is sick. And the Lord said, this sickness is not of the death, but for the glory of God. And, he's, and he says this in verse 5. He lets them know that the Lord loved this family. Don't judge what he's going to let happen. Don't judge his love by that. Don't judge God's love for you by circumstance. Don't judge God's love for you because something hard has come, come your way. It's of God. He sent it. And we bow to him. He sent it. So John lets them know in verse 5, the Lord loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He loved them. Don't think he didn't love them because they went through this. He did love them. Actually, they're going through this. They're going through this because he does love them. You know, when you and I, as parents, we try to keep everything away from our children, don't we? 
We, we try to keep all sickness away from them. We try. You know, wash your hands, wash your hands, do all these. You know, we try that. We, but now our Lord gives us things that are hard for our good. You know, if they put me in a bubble and kept me away from all disease, all, all the germs and all that, I, my immune system would be what? Shot. My immune system wouldn't be anything. You know, I grew up on a farm when I was through my, up to my teenage years. I grew up on a farm. I was in the dirt. I mean, I was in the dirt handling animals, cattle, dogs, chickens, you name it. I was handling it. Now, I've got the immune system of a junkyard dog. I do. <laughs> I got the immune system of a junkyard dog. I don't know how, and I may get the flu. I may do it. Everybody, just about everybody I know has been getting the flu, getting sick. And I shake hands with everybody. And you know, that's part of that gives me a strong immune system. If I just said, no, don't shake hands. I'll see you all later. No. No. We need these things. God gives us these things for our good. It's a spiritual immune system. We have a spiritual immune system, and he gives these things to us to uh, benefit us spiritually. Now, in verse 6, look here. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, that Lazarus was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. They expected him, no doubt, to just hurry up and get there. Hurry up, you know, just like the disciples when they was on that boat, care style not that we perished, he's in the boat asleep. He's in the inner part of the boat asleep, and they're, they're freaking out. They're about to lose their mind. We're going to die. We're going to perish, and he doesn't care. Oh, yes, he does. You needed that. Our Lord stayed away for two more days. He let Lazarus die on purpose. Didn't he? He stayed away two more days. He also put Martha and Mary through that pain on purpose. He also stayed away on purpose for his disciples that their faith would be strengthened in him. Almighty God let his children, all his children, die in Adam on purpose. There are things, there are mysteries in the counsels of God that you and I can't look into. We can't, we can't, we can't comprehend those kind of things. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. As my thoughts are higher than heaven, as, so are my thoughts higher than yours. <laughs> my ways are higher than yours. You see, God, when God is doing something, it has an eternal value to it. It has an eternal value to it. We can't see, but, but just a little, just like in this room. Can you see the whole world right now? Can you see outside this building right now? God sees the end from the beginning. God determined the end from the beginning. God did that. And that's why he can do this. And this is why we trust him. That's why we trust him. 
He's got to do this. And now, listen also, the trial must run its course and teach its lesson. You know, when God sends us a trial, it has to run its course. You know, the last time I had a flu, I mean, it's been several years ago. I was in my 20s last time I really had the flu. And I remember how sick I was. I went to the doctor. He gave me some, uh, he gave me a prescription. He said, but he told me this. He said, it'll have to run its course. You've already got it. It's going to, he said, this might help it be a little more mild, but he said, it's going to have to run its course. A trial must run its course for us to learn the lesson and the reason God sent it. It's got to run its course. The patient is under the care of the great physician. You know, sometimes, you know, when you and I go to a doctor, we don't go to a doctor for him to make it worse, do we? <laughs> but you know, sometimes the Lord makes it worse in order for it to get better. Because the lesson in it is spiritual. We may have to get worse physically that we might be better spiritually when it's over. These are lessons to be learned. Now, in verse 7, then after that, after he stayed two days on purpose, then after that he saith to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Let us go. It's time. Listen, it's time to work. Now it's time. You see, there's a time and a place, there's a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. You and I are on a time schedule. It's time for this. It's time for that. In God's, in, God's, in God's purpose, there's a time for everything in our life. Not just a time of purpose for creation and things in general. I mean specifically for me and you, day by day, there's a time for it. There's a time for it. And it was time now to go. Time to go. Lazarus has died. And the disciples there in verse 8, they remind him that the Jews, they want to kill you. You're going to go back there? You're going to go there? He's not afraid of the Jews. He's not afraid of, the, he's not afraid of Satan. He's God. He's got law under control. They haven't seen this yet. He knows, listen, he knows that they have no power at all against him except to be given to them from above. And the same applies to his children. Nothing and no one has power against you except God gives it power against you. And then he says here in verse 9 and 10, look. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there's no light in him. And our Lord is telling them, there's a certain time for everything to be done. He said, while it's daytime, it's time to work. He said, I have a time to work. I have a time to accomplish redemption. I have a time to do what I'm uh, given to do. And he says, and it's time. It's time to do that. And then verse 11, look at this. And this just jumped out at me this morning as I was looking over it again. These things said he, and after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Who told him that? They didn't send a messenger and said, 
said that Lazarus is dead. Don't worry. Don't worry the master. He said, our friend Lazarus sleeping. He knew his condition. He knew his condition because he put him to sleep. The Lord put him to sleep. And when it comes our time, it'll be the Lord who puts us to sleep. You remember when you were children, and you've done this with your children when they were just little little things, you take them to their bedroom and you, you put them to sleep. You said, I'm going to go put her or him, I'm going to go put him to sleep. And you go in there and you lay him in the bed and you talk to him and you put him to sleep. And that's what our Lord did. He, standing there, put Lazarus to sleep. He put him to sleep. But the disciples, listen, being babes, they didn't know what he meant. There in verse 12. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he's asleep, he, he shall do well. He's right. They're right. If he's asleep, he's doing well. Did, you know, when somebody's sick, when someone is sick, if someone you loved one is sick, and, and, they, and you see them asleep, doesn't it make you feel good? When you see them asleep, it makes you feel good. You say, they're, they're resting. They're resting. And you know most of the healing of the body happens when you're asleep? You know when most of your growing happens when you're young? It's when you're asleep. You know your brain actually heals itself most when you're asleep? This is good for him. This is good. They said if he's asleep, he does well. But Christ, here in verse 13 and 14, howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But now when John was there standing with those disciples, he didn't know that, did he? You see, John was standing there with the disciples. He had the same thought they had. But, but now, some time later, John writes this, and he says, he says, however, Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He spoke in a language they understood. You see, when he said he's asleep, he's speaking in heavenly language. He's speaking in the language of the kingdom of God. But they, don't, they lived in this world. You and I live in this world. So he speaks to them plainly in a language they can understand. He's dead. Oh. Oh. Now I know what you're saying. I now know what you're talking about. And he says in verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes I was not there to stop it. I'm glad for your spiritual growth. I'm glad for your increase of faith that I was not there to the intent you might believe. And this must have sounded strange to them. This miracle is for your faith. When he said, for, when he said I'm glad for your sakes, I wasn't there, I bet that's going, what do we have to do with this? <laughs> what do we have to do? Oh, you have a lot to do with. You see, the lesson, when the Lord even makes one sick here, or someone going through trouble here, it's for the whole body of Christ. It's for the whole body of Christ. We all learn 
We all learn through it. Now listen, I'm going to wind it up with this verse. Here in verse 15. And I'm glad for your sakes I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Let us go to our brother. Let us go to him. This can be said concerning all our trials that God sends our way. They are necessary. When I came to this part, I just started writing on some things, and that's the reason I stopped here. These trials that are sin of God are necessary for the growth of faith. We ask the Lord to increase our faith. This is, this is how it is accomplished. This is how it's accomplished. We must have the rain as well as the sunshine. We must have the taking as well as giving. That's what it takes to increase our faith. Secondly, these trials that God sends our way, they prove whether we have faith or not. Just like the parable of the sower. Seed fell on, on the rocks. The sun came up. It had no depth of earth. There was no real root. It took no root. And it was scorched. Another one, it, it fell among thorns. And the cares of this life choked it. That's why he's saying the cares of this life choked it. Choked the word. And there was no fruit. But the one that fell into good ground, it grew. It grew. It was evident that it was in good ground. Trials prove whether we have faith or not. I want to know this. I want to know that I have faith before I die. I don't want to stand before God and, and find out whether or not I had faith. I want to know now. Lord, I want faith now. Give me faith now. Make it genuine. And then they teach us our dependence on Christ. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were absolutely 100% dependent on the Lord. Bring him out of that grave or he's not coming out. We are dependent on the Lord to bring us through every trial, every heartache. We depend on him to bring us through. Because if not, we'll collapse. We'll, we will collapse under the lightest trial. We will. We don't have that kind of strength in us naturally. The only thing that keeps you from being offended at God and the world being offended at God when they go through something, the only difference is grace. For by grace, through faith, you, your faith is genuine, and you know it's of God. You know it's of God. David said in Psalm 39, 4, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. You think we'd ever pray like this? What it is that I may know how frail I am. Lord, make me to know mine end. Measure of my days, what it is, that I might know how frail I am. 
because the more I know how frail I really am. Now, I mean, he's not, I mean, I'm a whole lot more frail than I think I am. You know, when, when you see someone that's been strong in their life, strong, my dad, I'm thinking of my dad, strong man, physically strong man, and then to see him can't even lift an arm, can't even lift an arm. Make me to know how frail I am. If I live long enough, I won't be able to lift an arm. They teach us how frail we are. And that makes us run to Christ. Then these trials that God sends are always connected to, to Him and His glory and our good. Our good. There's a few times when I was young, and I don't know if this was any good for me or not, but Mom had us take castor oil. I don't know if it was good or not, but she had me to tell you, it's awful. I had to eat, when I was six years old, something like, six, seven years old, I had rheumatic fever. They said I had rheumatic fever. And uh, the doctor told her to feed me liver, beef liver. I gagged. I can remember her force feeding me that, and I was gagging, and she was feeding me, and I was gagging, and she was feeding me. <laughs> it was awful. I can't even walk in a room if that stuff's cooking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta get out of the room. I'm gonna start gagging and just. Ugh. But it's for my good. At least they thought it was. I don't know if it was or not. But I don't have to think if it's good or not when God sends it. I know it's good. It hurts, but it's good. You know, you're not going to set somebody's leg that's been broken that it doesn't hurt unless you knock them out with morphine or something. But, I mean, that hurts. And then they teach us of the mercy and power of God to rule and overrule all things. I know a young, I know he's not a young preacher no more, but I know a preacher, Pastor Todd Niebert, they told him to get the funeral arrangements made. I, was, I went down there and visited him, and he's in the hospital. He was in our 20, early 20s. He was in our 20s there, some early 20s. And they told them to get the funeral arrangements made. And you know, you know, he pastors down there at the, in Lexington, Todd's Road Grace Church. Been there for 40-plus years. And the doctor said he's, he's going to die, get his funeral arrangements made. They teach us of the mercy and power of God to overrule and rule over all things. They are about to see a dead man raised from the grave. In 1 Peter 1, it's written in verse 6 and 7, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, every trial is a need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, many trials, that's the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire. You ever get burned? Fire is, fire is painful. You stick your hand in, it's painful. Though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 
He's coming. And I want that faith that is a gift of God that will be waiting on him till he comes. And trials are necessary in order to exercise the graces or the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, those have to be exercised, and they are exercised by the things God sends on us, the trials. And they are absolutely, I mean absolutely, under His control. He, he knows the outcome from the beginning. I have learned this as I've gotten older, and I've learned this. Whatever it is I'm going through, the outcome is already determined. It's already settled. Isn't that comforting? The outcome's there. It's already done. I just got to get there. <laughs> He's just going to bring me through this experience that I'll experience a growth in faith and love and joy and peace and long-suffering. But that outcome is already set. Job said it like this. He knoweth the way that I take. When he has tried me. He already knows. Me going through this. Already. He's got control of it. Alright. 